guys, once again, it is time for the Professional Goblins podcast. I'm one of your wonderful hosts, Scott Gladstein, who has a super static picture today. With me, as always, <laughs> is... Uh, Mike Myler. Hi, everybody. How you doing? And, uh... and I'm Savannah, uh, possibly to be joined by my co-host, uh, Pelly the Cockatiel. Uh, for now, you'll have to make do with Hadrian the Betta Fish. Ah, fantastic. And, uh... He's not real talkative, but uh, he looks pretty. So. Uh... So, uh, and we have this guy, I think his name is Hergen, but, uh, <laughs> in, the, in the native tongue, Hergen is known as Stephen Rowe, um, producer nice over at, uh, Wright Publishing. Um, beyond that, Hergen, or Stephen, as we shall be calling you from now on, um, <laughs> who are you, why do they care, um, what, what is your passion, what is your problem, what is that itch you have? Uh, well, I am a, uh, writer. Uh, designer, a developer, editor for Pathfinder and Fifth Edition, mostly Pathfinder. As you said, I am a pro I'm the project manager over at uh, Wright Publishing, and they're a lead developer in charge of their Pathfinder line. Uh, also, kind of sliding over into the Fifth Edition line as well. Uh, I am, in addition to that, a father, uh, a husband, and I am a civil engineer. So you know, lots of oh god, lots you, were, of hats. you were all the hats, yeah. One of them, hopefully, mm. being a construction one. <laughs> So, um, it's, it's been a little bit, guys. Um, we had some uh, shuffling and some moving. I know Mike and Savannah trudged on without me last week, so now you get to see my beautiful, static, non-loving face. Um, is that a new, a new York picture? No, that's actually, from, that's actually from, like, way back when. The uh, way back when? Okay. Yeah. But, see, uh, until I get to actually see your face, Scott, I'm going to assume that you're a robot. Uh, I, that is definitely true. <laughs> Hello, Skynet. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us today. Um, yeah, who knew that Skynet was a nerd? I mean, come on. You speak in a Russian accent? No. The, <laughs> no, the Russian accent thing is 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 broken. Oh. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I think our first segment we're we're not doing the reviews unless hey, Stephen, send us something to review yes. that isn't super long. Okay. Yes. That's for anyone like, who is just watching the show for the first time, we do a formatted show that typically begins with a review if somebody sends us stuff to review. But we didn't have anything because we didn't have a guest last week. So. When you say isn't super long, like, can you give me a, a framework for what that actually means? 30, 40 pages. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it will not be, of course, reviewed by us as that would be unprofessional. It will be reviewed <laughs> by several uh, anonymous people who may or may not be wearing a horse head mask and other accessories. Yes. Any resemblance is purely coincidental. Because that would not be professional for us to critique the, our, uh, our honored guests' uh, work. <laughs> well, if, if, uh, you know, if they're not around, you're really just talking behind their back, and yeah, I feel really. like that's totally okay. No, that's legit. That's legit. So, um, like, like uh, Mike was saying, we got the formatted show. And I think the first section we're going to tackle today is going to be uh, gaming stories. Woohoo! Favorite part. <laughs> so, does anyone want? It's either this is either a story from a game that you're currently playing, or a story about a uh, lesson you've learned as a GM or a player or something. And Mike, I love the uh, holy glow you have upon your face right now. <laughs> it's very this, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Mike, you're glowing. You're positively glowing. I'm not. I, I'm... I mean, are you expecting? Are you not telling us something? <laughs> Stephanie just gave me some extra baguette 
and so I'm a little bit happy about that. But I mean, ah, baguette. It's, it's clearly magic item glowing baguette. Got it. Absolutely. Headcanon so, accept. So speaking of uh, accepting headcanons, does anyone have a story they'd like to share with? Start us off with. I elect Stephen. Stephen, you've been. Um, you've I'm happy gold. to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm actually not in or running a game right now, which is super disappointing for me. But uh, about four months ago, I wrapped up an Out of the Abyss 5th Edition game that I was running. Uh, and what my favorite my favorite player character in that game was named Red. Uh, and he was a, an extra planar pirate. That's how he started off his career. I love it. Uh, on board a ship that just kind of basically just did a bunch of smuggling runs through all the various planes. But... Uh, you know, they got into all these misadventures, and usually what they do is just run away because they could, you know, plane jump with their ship. So there really wasn't a whole lot of need to stick around and fight it out. But, you know, after the captain retired, took the ship with him, uh, Red and his the first mate named Gnarly Bob decided <laughs> to start start their own road show, like a, like a traveling uh, performance show based on all of the misadventures of the ship that they'd been on. Uh, but every story they naturally exaggerated to make it a lot more exciting uh, and fun for the audience to watch. It sounds a lot like so, Munchausen. <laughs> maybe, yeah, that's kind of what what, what I brought it to mind. I was I was looking through. I was like, yeah, Munchausen really uh, really fits. But the thing he had uh, he had uh, I can't remember what the background is called, but essentially uh, everyone knew who he was. He was famous because of this traveling show. But the problem that he kept running into is that uh, all the stories kind of grew even in the telling, and they were already very exaggerated. <laughs> so everyone thought that he was like this amazing archmage because he was the guy who was able to run the interplanar ship, when really he was just the person on board who knew anything about anything and could like <laughs> barely make it function. So he had all these people just assuming that he was going to save the day and just was completely incapable. Uh, at least, you know, at the, at the beginning of the campaign. Uh, so it, it became like this uh, really fun comedic relief moment that I got to constantly insert throughout the game, including uh, I created a theme song for uh, the Gnarly Bob Adventure Hour, which was oh. based on the SpongeBob theme. Oh, no. And uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, very much, yeah. So you know, they, they'd walk into a tavern, and the bards would recognize him and start up with the Gnarly Bob Adventure Hour theme. <laughs> or, you know, people would people would recognize him and talk about this story like, oh, well, you can save us because you single-handedly fought off Lolf. And, you know, that, <laughs> and, <laughs> what this what this taught me, though, and, you know, the valuable lesson that I got out of this throughout the course of the campaign is that, you know, Out of the Abyss is, is one of those games where there's a lot of very dark stuff going on, but there's also a lot of interjected points of uh, comedic relief or, you know, Alice in Wonderland references. And so... I, you know, it, it really drove home that value of comedic relief and how, that's you know, it, it under yeah, especially in a game that's horror and, you know, you're, you're going through the rotten-fested fields of the, the fungal demon lord. And it, it's important to occasionally then have a moment where you can laugh. Yes. Uh, well, now I have to talk about Habib. Go for it. <laughs> and, okay. And I will actually have something that's related, too. This will be good with, like, a theme wow. going on. So we did um we didn't do Strahd, but we did a couple of the Adventure League adventures for in Ravenloft. And um before we started the campaign, we were like, okay, so what are we all gonna play? <clears throat> and then somebody I was like, Oh, you know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like a fat Callum Shite slaver. I'm just gonna be like a piece of shit, like right out of the Aladdin cartoon show. <laughs> like <love> terrible <laughs> human being. And then this, this Danish guy I played was like, Oh, I'll be your slave. 
he made this like brutal pit fighter guide. I made this like sleazy rogue, and he ended up multi-classing into like four different things. He's like a rogue wizard fighter barbarian something. <laughs> <laughs> and I like I voluntarily lowered his speed because he was just so obese. <laughs> so he only moved twenty-five feet around. And uh, this is kind of like the other end of the sword when you're doing horror. Like it's that would that was not an appropriate character for a horror game. Especially with like a PC as the slave, because like that's just like Abbott and Costello in the party all the time. Yeah, there's a constant comedy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, what did how did it be do? I mean, he 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 screwed a couple people over, and then he attempted to lock the party in a barn that had caught on fire after they contracted lycanthropy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he ended up getting lycanthropy too, and now he's just like a fat werewolf rolling around in Ravenloft somewhere. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Head cannon accepted. <laughs> and he had a different... Oh, that was the other part of Abib. I just kept giving him names. So his final name was... Uh, hold on, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it, I swear. Fair <laughs> be good. For the payout here. Where's Habib? Habib, where's your name, Habib? He's got so many names. Ah, here we go. And this is all incorrect, by the way. This is not the way that the naming conventions work over there. Habib El Armasari Ibn Forsooth Ibn Goldesi Ibn Rastfara Ibn Salim Ibn Hisari Ibn Krillir Ibn Varsad Ibn Laraz Ibn Turdukin. Ibn Turdukin. <laughs> okay, that was the Turdukin was worth the wait. Yeah, that, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Habib. Good, good. <clears throat> but our my relationship with the, the guy playing the slave that actually worked out really great. I thought that was gonna blow up in our faces, but like nah. We were tight. Fair. Oh. Them Swedes. Uh he's uh, a Dutch. Dutch okay. he's from Holland. Them or, I don't know, he's fucking Scandinavian. Them <laughs> you know, one of those Scandinavian countries. So, well speaking of Ravenloft. Yeah. Uh I know I discussed uh last week. My warlock Sempronius Daya, who has been cursed to be a good person. Oh no. How um, horrible for you. I, uh, yeah, it's pretty terrible. He thinks it's awful. Um, and so I am running a second character in that game, and I switch out in combat depending on what we need. And that character is Colette Morin, and she is a professional make-sure-the-wizard-doesn't-get-stabbed-too-much uh, <laughs> person. Hey man, that that is a viable like profession in like the Pippi verse. Yes, yes. Well, the thing is, is that what is actually going on is that the wizard is actually like an elven prince on the run because he was like assassinating people to like move up onto the throne. Elfer and Trow. she and she was his bodyguard, and she's like, dude, if you get caught, they're gonna murder me too. So uh, I'm coming with you. <laughs> Uh, and so, let's see, it's been interesting because by class, she's a paladin. Of course. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, she took the Oath of the Crown because, you know, her, her family, like, there's always been a Morin for each member of the royal family, and this, their families go back generations, and blah, blah. And, uh, so, but the whole point is, is that she is technically a paladin of Bahamut, the, pal or the yeah. Platinum Dragon. Problem is, is that there's another paladin of Bahamut in the party. <laughs> and we haven't played very much, so Push hasn't come to shove yet. But he's like, I forget what it is. The stereotypical, like, Oath of the Righteous or oh, whatever. Yeah. 
Uh, and he's like the paladin's paladin. He's Love the one that Sephronius is stuck with. <laughs> who's like diligently trying to rehabilitate this terrible warlock who should not be rehabilitated. Um, and so I, I feel like, uh, considering that she would choose her oath over her deity, I suspect that at some point she's probably going to turn into a shitty fighter with good saving throws. <laughs> um... But, you know, she tanks like a boss, so they, they can't take that away from me. I love it. Yep. So, pallets could be really fun, yeah. I like playing pallets. Yeah, no, it, it's been really great, the whole, like, smite evil. It's It's been very fun. Just remember to always keep a couple points in the lay on hands around. Because you can... No, that's... Yeah, you can dish out just one at a time. So, like, I've right. had characters that pick up paladin level just so, like... Because we don't have a healer, and I'm tired. So I'm just like, okay, I'll take it out a little. Lay on hands, lay on hands, lay on hands. We can continue. Yep. Yeah, that's Moving on. Half the time you do it, use it. So, well, we had two paladins and a cleric, and two PCs still went below zero hit points twice in the same combat. Was that the fault of the party or the encounter? Uh, well, because our GM rolled, like, all of the 20s on them mm -hmm. all of the time. I can only there's, assume there's she must have taken pity on us. Oh, dude, there was a Mist of Akuma game the other day. I got to play it. I didn't have to GM. I got to play it. And one of the characters in it is these dudes with cannons. And he fucking crit it with the cannon, which did like 45 damage or something. Well, and the samurai hadn't started combat yet. So oh, he no. just like, he, he did the Iajitsu thing. And then he also poured his smite into it. And he also critically hit. So oh. he just like deflected the bullet by three points. It was amazing. <laughs> it was so bad. It was this like perfect anime moment. It's like, huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All anyway, right. Scott. So yeah, Scott, what's so um a while back, I'm gonna tell a Starfinder story actually. Mm -hmm. A while back I mentioned uh what is it? Uh Boomstick, a uh, Jericho Boomstick Bugazi, the uh sh the shotgun wielding blitz fighter soldier a Vesk Bliss soldier who is a live streamer. He live streams his adventure and has the unfortunate um, uh, battle cry of hands up, don't shoot, and then shooting people because he heard it as a child and thought that that's what the cops were yelling as a battle cry. Um, so he's our playtest character we use. So we had too many people log on and playtest with us for our Dragoon thing, which is basically animate armor space marines with a dragon theme to it um ghost haunted armor space marines think of it that way um so we had a bunch okay. of them and we had his buddy what is it like i think it was like i think it was like 47 he's a human or he's a robot that self-identifies as human um <laughs> and so that's and he had, he's an engineer so he has the uh, streaming bot so we had enough people so we just pulled out them and the plot of the play test such as it was being a playtest, was devolved into... So last time, he went to this agency and a bunch of goblins attacked and yada yada, destroyed security bots, etc., etc. This time, he went back to the, 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 the promotion agency to go ahead and try to get another meeting with these people. And, of course, one of the goblins from the last encounter rolled oh, in no. and said, you killed my friends, and, like, sets up <laughs> a bomb. Um, unfortunately, the we everyone else went first. And the guy in the power armor with the heavy weapon just nuked the hell out of the, the goblin. And oh, it no. went off by itself. And oh, no. then the security bots attacked us and thought we killed everybody. And we had a murderously good time. 
And the funny thing is, they I were mean, all good. You know. They, they were all of and it was all live streamed. Yes, it was all live streamed by two cameras. What's the rating on that live stream? Uh, it is not PG thirteen. Um, no. no. And they spent half the time trying to resurrect NPCs, while the uh, player with no way to do so, no one had any ranks in medicine, so they were also <laughs> they're like, no live. Because they're kind of <laughs> no. and, um, I, I saw CCR on like, TV nope. one time. <laughs> exactly, oh, exactly. And um, they're all of different. Like, imagine like it's called orders. They're like they're, they're like orders. Imagine them, but they're all very thematically different. Um, so, in, like different branches of the military, and none of them can heal whatsoever. And they're and the security bots just straight up attack us. Um, and that was that was fantastic. And then we had this thing where we were defeating, fighting a bunch of, uh, I think they were like, they're lizard men, like the, like the, the V style lizard men. Oh, good. Like, and one of them, one of the NPCs on the, on the thing was named Not a Dragon. <laughs> and they, they're like, I bet you it's a dragon. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, it's not Not a Dragon. <laughs> and uh, they killed it. It's not wrong, per se. But we, we were doing like high level test, like above CR and below CR testing for that. So that was the way above CR thing, so they killed it in, like, one round, and it summoned, like, a young blue dragon, and it's, like, I think CR 9, and 9 or 10 or something, and they're, like, they were, like, level 4, like, like 4 to 6, I think they were 6. But still, oh, good. it was in an enclosed area with a dragon, and you know about how well that ends up, and the only way we could deal damage was by critically hitting. Mm. Like, we could deal a little bit of damage, but... The only way to significantly drain HP was to do that, and we, I think they ended up, we ended up defeating it, excuse me, defeating it by, like, eight crits. But only Boomstick okay. and the, uh, oh no, it was Boomstick and the, uh, Skullwatch Grenadier, I think. Anyway, Boomstick at the end was getting destroyed, and he was just like, alright guys, now hit that like it and subscribe button. If you want to see me die, go ahead and vote in our thread. It's uh, it's coming up. I want to see what the voters think. Should I die or should I live? Go ahead and vote. And it's like everyone just like hits the like all the other players are like typing in like the chat, like hits hits the like button for the that. And then he's like, "You're all sick fucks. I didn't know you wanted to see a uh, snuff film live on uh, YouTube, but uh, it's not gonna happen." And then he just gets one rounded, and we're like. All right, ratings going through the roof, man. So, um, the legend of uh, Jericho, or was it uh, Boomstick, is good. He is such an under-optimized character. He is so wonderful, and uh, I hope to play test the hell many more games with him at six level until we don't need six levels anymore. But um, there we yeah. go. So that is the continuing legend of Boomstick. <laughs> All right. No relation to the legend of Korra. No, not in any way, shape, or form. Okay, good to know. Okay, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna do this. All right. So uh, next subject is favorite working projects. Uh, I've just been in the weeds with Book of Exalted Darkness, so I don't have anything new to talk about, unfortunately. I just spent uh, what did, what did I do? What did I do? What where was I last week, Savannah? Do you remember I had just finished all the continents, right? Yes, and you were like insisting on naming all of the rivers and I mountains. I do. I am going to still. I just have to go back and do it. And I wanted to go through everyone else's stuff first. And everyone wrote great stuff to you. 
thought you were um, going to say naming the rivers like something obscene, but I'm like, oh, okay, just red and No, I just yeah. got to name them, and there's a shitload of like rivers and forests and glades and all that. I gotta because Mike does not love himself enough. I don't. Um, let me see. What was the highlights? Luis loves his rivers more. Ass. He figured out uh, this like dark transformation prestige class that's only eight levels. So and this is for 5e2, so it's not like, you know, it's a little weird to do prestige classes they don't have any. And so you can, there's a way that you can make yourself into like a lich dragon or a rakshasa construct if Ooh. you are Steve, very selective. Steve, you got to go next. I got something from that Werepower book, man. All right, uh -huh. yeah. No, no I, then, uh, I've got about 15 different stuff going on um, at any one time. You know, Mike, are you done? Uh, so, Mike, are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, like uh, as Scott said, he is working on a vampire werewolf book for me uh, through Wright Publishing, which I'm really excited to see what he comes up with. Uh, I'm also working on the Fairy Ring Magic Guide. Uh, I believe I'm working on that with Savannah. Um, I just turned over a bunch of writing for that. Uh, then there's a bunch of other stuff just through Wright Publishing, like uh, in the Company of Vampires, we're going to do an expansion, uh, maybe turn into a Kickstarter at some point. Uh, we're going to do, we're doing in the Company of Valkyries and the Company of Fiends. Um, I've got a cool uh, Demi Line Outer Planes uh, series that we're working on that should be coming out soon. So, you know, lots of stuff at any one time. Uh, I've got a Starfinder Adventure Path that I'm working on with AEW Games uh, that I'm really, really enjoying uh, getting to, to work on. Uh, that's that's just been a lot of fun for me. And, you know, it helps me to get a better handle on Starfinder in general, uh, you know, the, the, the motivation to really dive into the rules. So just, just one thing to comment on that. Mike, you were talking about the various draco lich this that and the other thing mm -hmm. um most of the book is dedicated to the the werepire stuff but there's a section called other pyres yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> of course there is <laughs> um and it includes a reference um to a uh i think it was like a draco pyre but then it talks about like anthropomorphic things like they're like bat things so it ends up talking about yeah i, I have a i have a parenthetical like in there that talks about uh, like what would happen if you did it with toucans or a whale or something. So theoretically, <laughs> you're an anthropomorphic whale vampire or something, or a toucan vampire. Like, it's uh, good. Yeah, I, I I think we need to to also specify that this is this is probably going to be the first book in a line that's specifically supposed to be you know a little little out there conceptually and you know having having a little fun with the game and most know, of it is vampire. serious there's also the <laughs> yeah, yeah. where to can <laughs> sure oh. sure but yeah the, the book will have where to can and that's totally okay all right and it I'm, can i'm, I'm standing up a character fun. now you know yeah right i mean like you you do a one-off and you just want to play some sort of wacky character i mean yeah. it doesn't you, you can have a little fun with it and you can you cannot have this stressed out about everything being you know, so so mired in, in the classics. Yep. So Savannah, oh. what what are you on today? Uh so there's the um oh Scott Gable and I've been talking, might be doing some development uh on the magic guide for the fairy ring. Um, that sort of thing. I'm not honestly looking to take on a lot of jobs right now. Um ideally uh I'm going to be on indefinite hiatus after I wrap up all my current projects oh. so see how that goes uh, burnout but... it's a hell of a drug yep mm -hmm. i have um let's see we released aug base class aug um then we did we're working on a new alternate path book we did alternate path marshall 2 
um, we released that, and we went, man, we're writing all this great content for this this potential deity book. Oh, wait, this is definitely <laughs> all Path Divine 2 shit. So now we're tossing things together for that. Uh, we got a Starfinder module coming up. Or, sorry, Pathfinder module, maybe a Starfinder. Um, mm. And yes, Mike, it is the goddamn The Raid, the... the the, yeah, the raid, but an adventure module. <coughs> and it's thematically coherent, Mike. I'm sorry, what's the raid? What are you talking about? You Wait, you've never seen the raid? Is that the movie with the District 13 kind of thing? And they got to go into the... the it's the it's an Indonesian, Polynesian... Uh, not, not Polynesian. It's the uh, Indonesian uh, martial arts film where they go into the... Uh, we talked about it on the show. The, uh, where they go into the crime lords, uh, like, building, and they have to, like, fight Yeah, and then the, 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 the one that came out of the, the District 13, I think, was the sequel, and then they made a sequel. No, no, sequel. no, 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 that's, that's different. It's different? Yeah, that's the part, you're thinking of the parkour one. This is the, like, the indie action film from Indonesia that got, District 13 is from, is, is, is a French film. Hmm. I don't know if I remember seeing this. Oh my god, you gotta go watch it. It's it's this crazy kung. It's not kung fu, but it's like it's like kung fu, but if it was like in Indonesia, and they came out with a sequel, which is completely unrelated to the first one, except it has the same cast and is like unbelievably good. I sat in a theater watching it myself and felt like such a pretentious asshole watching a foreign film, but it was <laughs> wonderful and amazing and bloody and gory. And there's a chick who fights with two hammers and. <laughs> who wields a baseball bat like a samurai sword and incorporates the ball into the, the into his martial arts. I don't know, dude. I'm okay. But yeah, no, oh. I, I, we're writing one of them that's um, basically you are the lawman breaking into the bastion of Baron Baldwin, who is the biggest crime lord in the world and basically owns an entire region and everyone who's just a criminal gets to chill in his place for free because no one wants to fuck with him. They basically right. have to his bodyguards, and you have to go up the, uh... There's also something called the Doom Elevator in it, which is kind of great. We're, um... I'm still playtesting the, uh, Escape from Cleveland 2099 thing, but that's gonna be Pathfinder and Starfinder. And then if it's in... If you happen to be playing Starfinder, then in, instead of being, you know, in Cleveland, it's on some, like, world-blasted moon, and it's just desolate there, and it's all, all the same, Neo, basically. Neo, Neo, Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, I mean, Cleveland 2099 is a lot like, you know, uh, Escape from Los Angeles. Or Escape from New York. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway. So, um, what's up next? Stuff that we are not working on and can't profit from that has come out, but is cool. And people should know about. Um, let's see. I'll go. We, uh, we talked about it at one point. It was uh, Red Shirts. Yeah. Yeah, they finally Ooh. released it. Um, what, Comedic Starfinder Adventure. Yeah. If they released the first part of it, it was... Uh, there's a line in there. I want to see what it is. Yeah. The index included a uh, section called Encounter. Roid Rage Chihuahua is on page 14. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm sold. Nothing else, man. Just yeah, that's good. Pretty solid. But yeah, it's obviously a comedic uh, Starfinder Adventure, and it's in a few parts. Mm. I think I wasn't blown away by the formatting they could probably hire someone better for it but i mean solid content solid content so give it a look all right well i will prop up uh, a touch of class which is available now in print i didn't write all like half of this i wrote like 
less than half of it, and I don't get any money from it. It's just really good. And uh, if you're looking for cool additional 5e classes, you will find several of them in there. Uh, I think the one that stands out is probably the card caster. Mm. Yes. And the stuff I wrote cool, but the card caster is pretty dope, and getting to use a tarot deck at the table is pretty dope. So, got to give it up for that. That's fair. Yeah. Well, you I was gonna say I am I am uh, behind myself, so I will I will pass the baton here. Weird thing is, I'm actually holding the baton in my hand right now, but you can't see it. Like literally. Jeez, guy, you're such a tease. <laughs> it, it's a really nice baton. Anyway, <laughs> uh, for you guys don't know, uh, I'm actually working at a magic and toy company as like the assistant to the CEO. So I have all this magic props and shit in my room right now. And I'm That's like, see, cool. we told you that he was kidnapped by magicians. I, I told am you. literally, despite not being able to do any magic, I am literally professionally a magician's assistant. I mean, you know, being able to do magic isn't uh, required when you're the assistant, is no, it? No, not really. <laughs> but, but everyone else Have they cut you in half it. yet? Or? No, no, but I, I, am, <laughs> I am the guinea pig for all their new tricks because I don't know the first thing about doing magic. So they end up like, <laughs> like all right, all right, try this, try this. And then afterwards, I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. And then they're like, at the end, they're like, all right, well, you're using a pink, you're using a pinky there to divide that, and you're doing this and that. I'm like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. It was cool. It was magic. <laughs> I believe. Who used to live in my next to my desk and a rabbit. Scott's taking like his time retraining into sleight of hand. Seriously though, they, they <laughs> told happening. me they teach me. I'm I'm down for it. Are you like distractingly attractive, like to the point where it helps the magician perform the trick because God, no. you're you're drawing the audience's eye. Uh, I'm I'm very intellectually pretty. They pretty you up. They get some get some like uh, eyeliner and like what's that, what's that stuff that's all the different colors? Eyeshadow, eyeshadow, some bright yeah, eyeshadow um, to bring I'm out. I'm just your, pointing it out there. Everyone looks better with a little bit of eyeliner. <laughs> all right, I will make sure to do that. Um, I will go put on that while I sit at my cramped, super tiny desk, um, dealing with phone service issues. Absolutely. What about you, Steven? You got one for everybody to go check uh, out? Upon looking at the outline again, it looks like the uh, the one that I had is a Kickstarter, so I'm, I'm happy right. to, to hold oh, off yeah. on that until later. Okay. So, um... Duh, 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 duh. Pathfinder and Starfinder news and speculation. Well, I'm speculating that Ultimate Wilderness, Ultimate, was it Ultimate Wilderness or whatever it came out. Mm-hmm. I have not had a chance to read it. Which I have not either. I've heard some people being sort of side-eye-ish about uh, what is it, the shape changer? Yeah. yeah, the shifter I hear is getting getting a lot of a lot of something lot of about the hawk aspect flag. getting like sixty feet of blind sense. Yeah. Whoa. And then the back is like. 20 <laughs> I feel like that's got to be a mistake. I hope so. Yeah. So it kind of killed me when that book came out because we had literally we were like two weeks away from releasing uh, Alt Path uh, Primal, which is basically the same book. Oh no! So we oh. like they announced it like it's coming out in a month or two, and we're like, "Fucking really!" All right, well, <laughs> we're gonna release our shapeshifter class, and God damn it, you put it out. Are you serious? Are you serious? So, um, <laughs> oh, so I, I'm a, I'm a little bit yeah. harumphy about the book. I'm like, really? Come on. So uh, I I may take some yeah. time to buy that book. But um, otherwise, it let's is, see. It is almost impossible to stay ahead of that stuff i mean like it's just a matter of time until it constantly happens well yep. what my favorite example was um before the apg came out 
we were re we released a book, or maybe it was right after the APG came out. Which was Anti Paladin in? Anti Paladin was in APG, right? APG. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. right after APG came out, we worked on an Anti Paladin book and put out a bunch of archetypes for it. And then it was it Ultimate Combat or Ultimate Magic came out, and yeah. they were like thematically the same ones we put out. Mm. But it was totally, <laughs> it's, it's totally convergent design, but I'm just like. Suspicious. No, it, it, I understood what it, like, it's like the undead one, the infernal one, you know what I mean? But it was like... Yeah. I mean, yeah, there yeah, are only so many ways that you can there. be an anti-paladin. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, hmm. <laughs> I see what you're doing. You're looking over my, you're looking over this and copying off my thing. Um, Warehouse raptors are stalking me. Yep. Um, we're Ooh, not gonna see, the secret, Mike, is muffins. You have to feed them muffins. I see. Hey, I survived in the warehouse for three months. <laughs> I know these tricks. Take it from Savannah, she knows. It's true. Got the inside beats. Savannah, do you feed them uh, popcorn as well? Or is that what the chain is for? Uh, no, this is for my tiny dinosaurs. Well, okay. also for my Christmas tree. Both are acceptable. You know, I just got so fond of the, the warehouse raptors, I had to... Had to get some tiny dinosaurs. So uh, let's let's move on to fifth edition, Mike. Fifth edition news and stuff. Um, Xanathar's guide to everything came out. Did it finally ah. come out? I know we keep talking. We have, I think we've mentioned it like five <laughs> times. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the companion on DM's Guild came out as well. Uh, what else? Oh, I didn't realize that there's a Magic the Gathering adventure that came out. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's called X Marks the oh. Spot, and the image, if you guys want to click on it, is a dinosaur in badass armor. So, A man riding a dinosaur in badass armor. I thought it was a cyborg dinosaur to begin with, or a robotic dinosaur, and I was very disappointed when I realized I don't think it was. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that would have been more compelling, but I will accept someone riding a dinosaur in badass armor, I guess. Oh, yeah. Your arm. I guess. That's great. Suboptimal. It's got feathers. That, that just that makes me happy. Okay. Yeah. No, that that is fine. <laughs> they they get they get those points back because it has feathers. I think it's really funny. What's that image? It's like skeleton doesn't actually tell how like heavy set you were. So you, you <laughs> right. don't actually know if dinosaurs yeah, yeah. were like like super Giant beefy chicken. or like <laughs> super skinny. Um, yeah. Like they could just be bloated like giant circular things that kind of rolled around more than they walked like giant plump chickens yep totally down with that yeah head cannon accepted i think mike yep. i think the name of this episode has to be head cannon accepted um yes I'm a little confused about wait wait, wait. you're saying that you that, that there they couldn't have told anything about volume or mass of dinosaurs from their skeletons well they can tell a certain degree but it's like mm -hmm. they can't tell with any degree of accuracy the full like how much something actually weighed you tell like the max capacity of what something like that with a skeletal structure could support. sure but i mean we know that sharks and alligators haven't changed so i feel like we have good examples to... well, that's what we're that's what we're basing all the stuff on all um, right but i'm saying the the thought experiment is technically we don't have data that proves this proves it's like you have to prove the hypothesis and disprove the null hypothesis. We're not disproving the null hypothesis here. Okay. Yeah. The known unknowns. Yep. 
I was gonna say, careful, Mike. Fun. You will pry this this round dinosaur head cannon out of my cold dead hands. <laughs> uh, right. Anything else? Uh, something about oh, uh, well, I guess it doesn't count for five E, the Neverwinter Night stuff. Um, Go ahead. Sure, five E adjacent. We'll talk about it in the next thing. Uh, looks like they've got some some figures for D and D out now again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Here they're sexy looking. I guess, they yeah. That's pretty good. So I know it sounds weird, but like people are like, oh, this is a great mini. I'm like, you know what I want out of a mini? I want to be able to use it for 50 different things. Like, I have a stack of minis that I've been using since like middle school, and I'm pretty sure some of them are made of lead, and I probably shouldn't play with them. But, um, <laughs> no, seriously. If you don't from... put them in your mouth, you're probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a five year old, and I have to put everything in my mouth, damn it. Um, <laughs> you're your five-year-old robot. But yeah, the. Uh... But you know, I, I played the same one since like I think they were like my parents like for something else, and I just they were like, oh yeah, we have some of those things. When I didn't have any minis, I'm like, oh okay, we'll use these. And uh, I'm pretty sure they're like lead-based or like something toxic, like maybe just made of arsenic. They're just solid arsenic. They're as bonus, <laughs> they're slightly radioactive. <laughs> there's just, just asbestos like given form yes <laughs> we used to play with these and use them to season our foods <laughs> yum yum alright so um, do we want to talk about other RPG business before we I go into a asbestos you know induced you know rant yeah uh, Owen posted uh, about roles in the tabletop industry and you also posted about roles in the tabletop industry. Yeah, so when you were introducing yourself, Stephen, uh, I actually was mm-hmm. like, all right, it's interesting. I was trying to see what title you'd use because we as an industry, so you guys don't know my background is, I was, uh, my undergrad is actually in game production. So we actually have like some like academic stuff here. Like what are the names of the, in my, I have an MBA and I'm like from game dev. So it always interests me very much to see like the organizational structure of game companies. Mm-hmm. And what titles we use. A lot of them are pretty flat. Um, and we all wear multiple hats. But, like, what – Stephen, if I had to ask you right now, what would you say that the, the titles are you use for people at your company? Uh, project manager, uh, developer, uh, editor. Uh, and then and then we refer to – you know, and then there's writers and designers, so, freelancers. So what would you, those, how do you define developer? A developer is the person who's uh, setting the content expectations, who's reviewing uh, rough drafts, final drafts, uh, making any sort of final calls on on the content, and making sure that uh, uh, mechanical clarity, thematic uh, consistency is, is kept. That's actually pretty close. Your, what you said was pretty close to what I had. Mm-hmm. I think I would add, like, specifically a role similar, and this could be covered in what you said, but a role similar to an editor but for math. Yep. Yes. Um, I actually wrote it down in the... I broke it down as... Um, see, it was... Um, it was producer, which is project manager. Uh, developer, which I actually use the same term, which is pretty much what you described. When I use designer, I, it's like designer, insert thing here. It's kind of what you're talking about with writer. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is a mechanical designer. Their job is to be a mechanic... Or, like, it could even be an editor. Like, mechanical editor is a thing, you know, like... So it's like you have a pre, you have a like you have something preceding the designer or the um, or the editor part of it because that just kind of works a little bit nicer. I feel like. 
and everyone wears multiple hats, so it doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm usually developer and editor uh, because, you know, as I'm going through, I'll just, I'll be doing edits to, to language while also doing edits to mechanics, and it's one's developer, one's editor. When we had two people, we would edit each other's shit before going out to our external editor. So it's like, Scott, what's your, I got an editor credit once. Yeah! I should not have <laughs> Yay! Actually, that yeah. book was pretty well edited, if I can say so myself. Well, there's, there's, you know, the, the gaming industry editors, and then there's, like, actual legit editors, and <laughs> there's, a, there's a, I feel like, a, a decent divide between those yep. two uh, skill sets. We, uh, I got lucky. I got a guy who has a game dev background, but is a professional editor, and he's also mm -hmm. a good good buddy of mine, so uh, I, I lucked out with that. He works at yeah, Barnes & Nobles around that's, all day. That's an awesome, awesome resource for you to have. I, I'm, I'm never giving out his name. You can never contact him. His name is Ian I'll just buy a book and look him up. No, no. Ian, <laughs> like, like Ian I, he gets credit, right? <laughs> I, I, would, I would love to have Ian Sisson. Is he edited under an alias? No, no. <laughs> Ian's my buddy. He's on the show. I want to get him on the show's man, but he's, like, very, like, I don't want to say antisocial, but he's just like, I don't want to. That sounds like a nightmare to me, being on, on the air with somebody. So uh, I don't think we got him yet. We got Christos on, but. Um, let's see. Any, anything else, uh, Mike? Um, I I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about it. No, no. I mean, like in the uh, other RPG news. Oh, um, specifically RPGs. I can't think of any from the last week that stood out. But like I said, I've been kind of in the weeds, so. So no, let's move on. And away. Other media of interest. Before I forget, I do have something here. Uh, the Neverwinter Nights, they're they're retooling Neverwinter Nights over at Beamdog, which I'm super yeah. excited about. Because Neverwinter Nights is fucking amazing. Yeah, man. Forever. Reminds me of, like, <laughs> Neverwinter Nights and Dungeon Siege were, like, my crack for a while. Mm. I hope that the online community for Neverwinter Nights kicks off again, because, like, yeah, man. There were people who set up servers for like all of Menza Bronzan and stuff, and like, oh, that'd be dope. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Uh, and then you have other stuff to talk about. Yeah, so uh, Disney bought Fox. That's a thing. It's a big thing. That's a thing, all right. So, yep. what one thing that I noted early on um, is so this gives them a controlling stake at Hulu. Like, it was divided. Oh. If you guys don't know, Hulu was basically created by a bunch of the big studios to be their streaming service as, as a, a neutral meeting ground, almost. Yeah. Um, so not, not anymore, huh? <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah. Like Disney, Fox, ABC, and I forget who else. Um, maybe Paramount? Anyway, the um, with the merger, it gives them a controlling share. And in 2019, Disney is launching its own media platform that's combining all of its existing ones. Right. So the question is, are they going to poison the shit out of it, or are they going to, like, divide their content on it? And the answer from Disney seems to be a very, very vague, non-committal, well, we're probably going to put more adult-oriented content on Hulu and more kid-oriented, or at least family-oriented, or at least not expressly adult-oriented content on um, their own platform. Hmm. But, I don't know. And they spun off some of uh, Fox's TV properties, so they'll probably be on their own thing. But yeah, they could totally tank it now if they want. Oh, yeah. It also means, hey, guess what? The, the motivation. Yep, yep. 
Who owns Crackle? I have no idea. I'm not sure that I know what Crackle is. It's another streaming. Yeah, I, I don't either. <laughs> they had Seinfeld on it for a while, but they also have a super, super mansion, which is like the robot chicken guys made their own Justice League, oh, and Brian Cranston. Oh, I love Super Mansion. I thought it was uh, funny. I watched the pilot and I'm like, this is so trite and like overdone and like every. You were joke. upset about the Batman character, I think. No, I don't fucking care about that. Okay. Dude, I, I, I give Batman them points for the name. No, I oh, thought it was. I thought it was <laughs> it's like every every joke was just like clever. Was like not clever. It's like every joke I saw coming a mile away. I'm like, okay, cool, yeah, uh huh. It's the same joke fifty times. Got it. What did you expect? It was the robot chicken people. I mean, here, they, the thing with the robot <laughs> chicken people like, 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 yeah, like, yeah. It was a skit <laughs> show, though. Like, if it's a six-second joke, ha, okay, cool, that's funny. And, like, you got some creativity, but it's like, you gotta sit with the same skit. It's like it's like a robot chicken skit. No, it's just strung for, along like, the backbone of, like, old Silver Age comic tropes. Yeah, but, like, it's like a robot chicken that, like, six-second skit that went on for 60 minutes by accident. Oh, I didn't go over sixty minutes. <laughs> so about Patreon. <laughs> so about Patreon, Mike. Uh, I hear you have strong opinions on this. I don't. I I just don't. I've I've never had a Patreon because I don't. Uh, I don't feel comfortable with the model. Uh, so I don't have one. Um, I was thinking about starting one before all of this nonsense, and now I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not going to. Yeah, apparently they rolled back the whole like fee edition because there was so much backlash and so many yeah. creators leaving and all that. So, so something weird about Patreon. Do you guys know um, Pomplamoose? It's like a oh, band. Yeah. It's on YouTube. <clears throat> it's gorgeous Type music. Go product. check it out. Um, one of the guys who is in that actually started Patreon, or one of the founding members of Patreon, Jack Dante. He's on the uh, he's on that letter. He wrote that letter that says like we're rolling everything back. Uh, but it's kind of weird that a YouTube creator made it. But we have a Patreon. We don't use it for much. Um, we have a weird model we set up, which is like, hey, look, give us at least five bucks. It's basically a pre-order for everything, and you'll get every product we put out, with the exception of like a Kickstarter or something. And if it's oh, below cool. fifteen pages, you get it for free. Um, and we can basically use that as a like art budget for small books. Like, hey, we're going to get 50 bucks. All right, I'll put 50 bucks towards art for this little, you know, book. And guess what? We, we're we going to go out, you know. Um, or 100 bucks for what, towards art or whatever it is. We never get a lot of traction on it. I mean, it's probably, I think we're at like 50 bucks or something a book, which is just, it's not bad. It's like, hey, I get an extra 50 bucks. So we do post. Well, it it, it seems like it provides a very valuable service to an awful lot of artists that, you know, are yes. depending on it for a significant chunk of their income. It's just... Yep. You know, this this kind of pounds home the point that we need to kind of figure out a backup plan in case they pull this sort of malarkey again. Which is unfortunate because Patreon is a backup plan for some people already. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Because uh, I know YouTube creators, like when the whole demonetization stuff went out, they're like, yeah, no, like if we were just relying on YouTube, we couldn't do this anymore. So that Patreon link. I support yeah. a few of those, yeah. Uh, another thing related to that was they had it's called gif.party, and I swear to God it's not a porn site. Um, <laughs> I don't um, believe you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, go that's type it in, go type point. it in. No, um, gif.party is a site where people have been like stealing people's Patreon shit and posting it there. Um, My money is that it began as like one of those furry illustrator sites. 
Because um, I understand there's, there's a, lot, a there's huge a of, market for that. There's a lot of uh, very adult content on the site right now. That's what they get targeted as most. Um, yeah. And it's really. I don't know that for a fact. It's just if I had a bet. It seems likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's yeah. a good theory. There's a lot of different weird things. There's a thing called Hatreon for Nazis. Really? Um, yeah. And okay. Then Kickstarter's starting thing. Yeah, I think Chris Cantwell got like 10000 for his legal defense through that. That was the jackass in Charlotte. And then, um, uh, what's the other? Oh, Kickstarter's starting one soon called D.RIP. So drip. Yeah. Which I might yeah, yeah. be interested in, but we'll see. I don't know. I, I always feel salty about Patreon because. Whenever I applied to college back in 2010, they're like, okay, what's what's your ambition? You know, what's your bigger picture thing? And basically, and this was to the um, scholarship board and all this. And basically, my pitch was Patreon. <laughs> and then, like, you know, obviously not going to get this done immediately. 2013, Patreon happens. And it's just like, mm -hmm. well, damn it. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, I'm like, well, I guess that had merit for someone else. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Well, did anybody have any other parting thoughts on Patreon? Go support ours. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might have one so we can uh, pay yeah, yeah, for yeah. hosting the podcast somewhere. Uh, but. Someday, maybe. We'll figure it out. If anyone has suggestions for a professional Goblins Patreon, we want to hear them. So yes, email us or message us or something. Uh, <clears throat> uh, oh, well, no, we were going to talk about the Punisher. That's oh, right. Yeah, other of interest. So I really liked it. My only caveat and spoilers, everyone. Did you, did, did, I don't want to ruin it for you, Steven. Did you see the Punisher? Are you going to watch uh, it? I, I'm about two-thirds of the way through. I think Me I'm too. the same boat as Scott. Okay. Uh, well, I won't ruin the end for you guys. I, did, I thought there wasn't enough like gruesome gangster killing like what the fuck this is the punisher like I, I, there was like 13 dudes he killed in the first episode that were gangsters and then he like rolls around knocking people unconscious and like shooting them in the foot like fuck that like the punisher should be dunking people into chrome machines like what the fuck I, yeah so i'm going to give <laughs> a like i enjoy it there there's a butt kind of thing um I am not the person this was aimed at. I like my superheroes pulpy. I like them with powers. I like them to do the thing. And I always feel like Punisher is really, really interesting when he's put in contrast to other super, to like superpowered individual because he's he's literally the that can be very interesting. I'll certainly yeah. admit that. And yeah. I felt like when he beat the Hulk. That was the best. I feel like they missed a huge opportunity. And this ended up just being a really overly violent, if not, like like Mike said, not as bloody. Um, not as bloody. It should be way yeah. bloodier. And how Actually, this is the first season, man. Like you know, they they intend to do more than one no, season. No, I, I got it. Like the other series, like this isn't even his first appearance, though. I mean, we had him with Daredevil and like. No, but he then he was in the then he was hanging out with Daredevil, doing competing with a superhero Which like I he wanted. Was fine, I thought that was kind of interesting, and then. So, but like had... to set the tone for the character and his story, like you need you need to well, do I that. It, I got you... it. I got it. But like, my favorite scene with all these foils like... is with um is with the Runaways, Molly. Hulkling with super strength, yeah. just like gut, he gut, she gut punches him and he nearly dies because she's like, I thought he had superpowers. 
from this adorable little girl. Whoops. Um, and she's like crying, apologizing. I'm really like, liking Runaways. What? <laughs> um, I I said I'm I'm really liking Runaways. That's that's been a lot of oh, fun no, so far. Don't, um, don't. I I agree with everything you guys are saying about the Punisher. Um, I, I it seems as though they're they're trying really hard to set up uh, a larger story and really create a foundation for it. And they really did uh, try to pound home the violence in the first episode, uh, but yeah, it, then it kind of flagged off. But maybe that's just where they're going to get back to it later on, or they're they're you know using this as an opportunity to introduce all these characters that can then later on grow into something more. Yeah, like, um, like Iron Fist. Um, what? I'm worried that we're not going to get to see like proper Frank Castle bloodbaths, which is upsetting. Um, one thing mm. I will note is I like the way it depicted um, you know military life and the effects of. PTSD and whatever that worked out very yeah. well. They handled that very. I mean, if anything, the Netflix series are really good at dealing with. It's addressing the kind of elephant in the room in terms of social issues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, and maybe that's why they they backed off of the the gun violence. I was just thinking. Bit. Yeah, they're like, oh, probably don't want to have a bunch of him like just like gruesomely destroying people and then like cut mm -hmm. to due to PTSD. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, he's going after a lot of uh, people who are in the military or ex-military, and he's got a really... They, they justify him being non-violent, or, well, I mean, not killy violent anyway. They're, they're, they're just doing their jobs. I don't want to kill someone who who's who believes he's doing the right thing. And that's how like, he I kill bad guys. Too, but, like, uh, I, I want, where, where were you killing the bad guys, <laughs> Frank? Where and when? Why did you stop? Like, uh, I don't know. I know, it felt like an action movie rather than a superhero movie or show, you know what mm. I mean? And, that, well, and that's, I mean, again, not a superhero stuff. That's good. I understand, good. but he sits in a superhero universe next to superheroes doing the superhero thing. And that, what makes him cool is that he's just this crazy motherfucker with guns. And I love that about he's, him. He's the and Batman yeah. character. He just runs yeah, around with people. I think the best Punisher thing that I've ever seen, and I really like the 1980s one with, with Dolph Lundgren, but like the best one was the short where he's, where they got the guy, uh, Thomas Jane, I think it was, or an incredibly good lookalike. No, it was. And he just like goes to the laundromat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the best. I think it's just called Dirty Laundry. Yep. And like that was perfect quintessential Punisher. I think it ends with him giving the Punisher shirt to some kid. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> then, like... See, I, I enjoyed that. But to me, again, it was mostly personal preference. I'm like, that was a good TV show for somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Though I have to say, speaking of the, you know, I only kill bad guys, um, last night I listened to an audiobook of Casino Royale, mm -hmm. and I'm just going to put forth the James Bond's definition, well, the people in James Bond's definition of evil is kind of hilarious. Yeah, what is it? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Go because, on. so, for those of you who have seen Casino Royale, uh, you know that there is a torture sequence. Oh, yeah. Uh, involving oh, yeah. a, a wicker-seated chair. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is, in fact, in the book. And uh, so afterwards, you know, once it's all over, like, it does address the fact that, like, obviously Bond is, you know, having some trauma over this, uh, mental and physical. Um, and so he talks to his friend, who's also an agent, and is like, dude, I think I'm going to retire, because when I almost died, I realized I liked being alive. So I think I'm going to escape. And he's like, well, no, I mean, you talked about how you've only ever defeated, like, two monsters in your career. Well, look at this guy. He tried to turn you into a eunuch. Now that you've seen what true evil is, don't you want to get out there and do the thing? <laughs> it's like, 
So we're basing, like, global evil <laughs> on what he did to one man's junk. <laughs> like, I'm not saying it was a nice act. I'm not saying it was justified. But, but like, perspective, come on. <laughs> hey, man. Low bar. Low hey, man, bar. Ma because insecurity yeah. can go a long way. I guess, but it's like, this guy wasn't even doing anything, like, horrid it was the whole like oh he embezzled and now he's trying to make it up while gambling and so now 007 has to out gamble him so that he can't pay back <laughs> the money to the russians because the russians could do something with it over there yeah something you don't something, even know what the like... russians are doing to dicks man uh, <laughs> <I can't... laughs> wait what are they doing to richard grayson <laughs> one moment that is an interesting way to consider like global power dynamics. Is like, Grandma, are you talking to me? what's the worst thing you guys have ever done to a dick? Grandma, <laughs> <laughs> we we judge society's a... morality by their treatment of penises. <laughs> I mean, it is a measurement, I suppose. <laughs> I, I don't think it's very uh, unbiased, but, you know. Yeah, isn't that the thing, is that, you, uh, that you judge morality by, like, the prison systems? So, so yeah. this would just be like a, a slight twist on that theory. By the, the way that you torture dicks. Yes, that is the answer. What is, I think it's like a, the, uh, some Navajo tribe that had this thing called the Sundance where basically they suspended you by your dick for, like, a day. I step I'm, away for I'm, 10 I seconds feel like and I come back win. to this. That was voluntary though, right? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, that was voluntary. That's true. Yeah. That's voluntary. But, like, you're out there, A, that's a painful experience. I mean, eventually, at some point, that you'd have to pass out or whatever. But, like, baking in the sun, too. Like, Oof. that's just, like, extra injury. And then the sunburn effect afterwards would have to be horrible. So, for, like, like you know, I'm ask, never going to um, see the Sundance kid the same episode? way. Are we in this episode uh, testicular torture? I mean, yes, that is the answer. Global power dynamics and penis mutilation might be a better Steven, what have you brought out in us? <laughs> I would say I we don't normally go down this <laughs> I would say we don't normally go down this path, but I think we kind of do. Different paths, different we paths. Definitely. <laughs> All right, well. We haven't even played Munchausen, I, I though. It's already our thing. All right, so um, I think the next one uh, is Kickstarters, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I uh, so the one, so the one I was listing, I found it interesting because their tagline was "Game Changing Dice," and I feel like that's overselling it. Oh, uh, I commented on this shit. Go ahead. Oh no no I I I think it's overrated. What do you guys or uh, overstated? What do you guys think? Uh, I'm, I'm curious to know what the... conventions. That's it. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what is it? Can you, can you give me the? Yeah. the Hold on. There's the, a. I'll put the, it in the picture view. I can't pull it up here. All right. <clears throat> Mike, That's I, ridiculous. Mike, I can't, I, can't pull it I up. I mean, it, today. Oh, sorry. It sounds like a really, really strong. <laughs> it's just like tallies and asterisks and shapes instead of just straight up dots or numbers. But they also do dots. Yeah, it's just alternative counting solutions oh, on your and dice they are stainless steel and brass so what's the what's the benefit that they're trying to uh, what's their case i that, why, why I, is mean, this I better? think their case is that we count the numbers differently like that's all i got okay out of that yeah i, yeah, no, no, I, I remember i think i'm, I think I'm with else. you <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, so I remember yelling about something else, really, not this, but another person was like, game chaining, changing miniatures, and they were talking about how your game and your narrative in the video, they're like, the, your narrative will change because of the way you use these miniatures and this, that. It was the one we reviewed with the hands, that like the magnet hands, remember? Oh. <laughs> and I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So this is like round two for me, like, are you kidding me? These dice are going to change the way I play games, the way I interact with my game experience. The people at my table will like or dislike me more based on the dice I use for this. What? What? Like, that's Fun weird fact, they might change your experience because if you play at a place with a really nice table and you start rolling metal dice, <laughs> that will change your experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yelling. it's like, you can mix stainless steel and brass in the same game as well. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> 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 it, it's, it's strong marketing, for sure. <laughs> it, is, it is that. I will, I will give them that. If someone could type that with a straight face. I'm... Uh, <laughs> dude, I worked in marketing for a few years. They can. Ugh. This is written as like par for the course, dude. Uh, I once got. I would have a really tough time. <laughs> with this again. I had a um, I had a guy at one point. Right, I think it was another developer sent me a message, and they were like, "The reason I don't like you is because you write, uh, like a braggart speech or something when you write <laughs> your answers." And I was just like, Are you "Fucking kidding me!" Like. I wrote exactly the same thing. I didn't like be like, this will change your life forever. I'm like, I don't know. It's pretty cool. It can do this, that, and the other thing. Why don't you buy this product? And he was like, I don't like you because you wrote, you don't basically. It's like I wrote, wrote like a little bit of a narrative to like one thing, and he was like, How dare you? I'm like, Yes. How dare I? It's not. It's ad copy. Yeah. Fuck me. Right. Just. Uh, that's that's really stupid it, but isn't it fun how like those are the comments that really stick out in your mind for the rest of your life and it was not like you the, the hundred positive ones yep oh no <laughs> dude crazy. like i i'm sure that we've gotten like compliments on shit i just do not remember any of them but the yeah, yeah. so you didn't technically put the uh the period after the number of skill points is classified <laughs> and all the other ones that i'm like fucking god damn really <laughs> son of a <laughs> It haunts you. It does. <laughs> and I did get that in a review once. Yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten things much like that. Like, I think last week for, uh, what is it? One umlaut. The umlauts in one name were not consistent throughout the book. <laughs> some of them were angled and some of them weren't or something. Jeez. And I I've think I was just like, fuck you, theorist. Germany. I, was, I don't even fucking care. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? You think I was talking about a different schemer? Like, really? There's only one schemer <laughs> in the so book. Like, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't have the patience for it. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, it worked on some people because they uh, their goal was $1,000, and they have made 8000 with 28 yeah. days to go. Strong marketing works. Uh, so, you know, you can't, you can't, be, you can't be, like, too, <laughs> too, too irate Jeez. with them. My favorite Kickstarter I think I've ever seen was there's this one this guy was going to, and it was like written like a like a like History Channel special, and it was like I will re reveal all the UFO information in, that we've been asking for the MK like Ultra stuff and the this, and the guy was dead 100% serious. Like I, he has websites he's been managing for like decades and stuff, 
and you know how much you that's awesome though how much you wanted for it yes 100 bucks ten thousand dollars higher a hundred thousand dollars higher a million. Yes, he wanted a million dollars. And I was, and like people were like commenting, like, "Dude, I'll give you five, no. ten bucks for this. Like, put it down to a reasonable rate, and like, we'll, we'll actually do it." And he's like, "No, this is what I need to protect my identity after." Yeah, like, release this. I'm burned. I got to move out of the country. That's what he's basically saying. And we're like, "Dude, you have your address on your I site. Need, like, I need what? retirement money." <laughs> For nothing uh, less will I divulge the secrets see, I know. But, but see if there really is like a crazy government conspiracy out to kill people like that. As soon as he starts the Kickstarter experience, like he's done. Like, 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 like he's never getting that million dollars, even if he could raise the money. The dude has like, his address just, on his website. <laughs> has his physical address on his website. You know, like, <laughs> like yeah, you can't beat that. that. He really needed that help too, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, conspiracy theorists. Oh, conspiracy theory. So, uh, I think this part of the show, uh, unless you guys have another Kickstarter. I got... Uh, I, I wanted to plug yeah. real quick yeah, yeah. Uh, the Creature Codex uh, by Copal Press for 5th Edition Monsters, just because, uh, you know, I, I, I do a lot of work with Copal Press, and everything I do is quality, and you know, I have the Tome of Beasts on my shelf, and it's awesome, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that that is a worthy Kickstarter to back. If you need more 5th Edition Monsters, and who doesn't need more 5th Edition Monsters? It's true. Mike, do you have, I, was, uh, I was. I was going to get my art stands from uh, was Jump Pack Six or Rocket Pack Six. I should know this. Uh, they're the people who did the D and D books. Jetpack Seven. That's the name of their company. But anyway, at Gen Con, I got uh, huge art stands because they couldn't fit them into their their luggage, and I was driving oh. a van, so like I just took them. Away. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're doing another one. Uh, the last one was Gods and Goddesses, and this one is Masters and Minions. Um, it's got another, well, here's the codex one that he was talking about for folks in the Twitch room. And then Masters and Minions is this one. They are funded. They got 15 days left. They do great stuff. Beautiful artwork. They're nice people. And, uh, yeah. All good things. It's supposed to be a bunch of, like, uh, villains and then their, their lackeys. This is so, art. Uh, huh? And this is art? Uh, no, there, it's, a, it's a whole book. It's just it's the same artist studio that did the core books. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, so it'll have like orc warlords and then their their orc lackeys and and so on and so forth. And that's yeah, that's all I got. <clears throat> so I think the uh, the next section, Stephen, we're gonna put you on the spot here. Um, whatever you want to talk about, what what topic is just burning in your mind as the thing you have to talk about. That, but I'm going to add a caveat. It cannot involve testicular sure. torture at all. At all? Like not even yeah. tangentially? No, not even, like not even like testicular torture adjacent. Uh, Argo right. is You're off. You're being so prudish, Scott. I know. What can I say? I'm a sensible young man. Uh, well, something that has been on my mind a lot recently, and this is actually this will be the the first public time I've talked about it. Uh. About two months ago, I was clinically diagnosed with ADHD, and you know, I, it's apparently something that I've been suffering my whole life, uh, and it's been causing me a lot of problems. So, you know, I I've just recently started going on medication and like actually learning a lot about ADHD. I had the medication. Um... Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please, please. 
the, the medication is helping me a lot. As I understand it, the medication helps a lot of people. And it's, uh, I didn't really understand anything about it until I was told that I had it. Uh, and, you know, went in and took a bunch of tests and stuff. Uh, and it is, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those like weird things where a lot of people think that it's a myth or that it's just an excuse to get uh, uppers so that you can study all night in college college or you know sell them sell them uh, around to people and I just from my limited experience I have to say that uh, it's it's very real uh, it's it's something that just makes a lot of sense for me and and I, I think that you know if, if you if you're willing if you think that there's even a chance that you might have it just go online check out some information on it and uh, really consider getting in and uh, talking to a clinical psychologist or a doctor to try to get some treatment for it so when I was a kid, so I, I was I was uh, diagnosed with ADHD combined type. Um, when I was my, I know it's one of those really overdiagnosed things in kids, but I you know it was there and then it was confirmed when I was in you know as a teenager and whatnot from a psychologist. Um, I went on medication for a while. I tried a bunch of different things and it didn't really work out so good for me. Um, yeah, it's like twenty percent of people, as I, as I understand it, it doesn't it doesn't yeah, work very it, well for. It, it just puts me in a fog. Put me in a fog. It was just not good um so i have to uh develop some techniques to i've discussed them in the past on the show um on how to kind of combat it and it, it, it won't say it's an asset but you can you can learn some stuff when i was doing my grad program it was the hardest thing in the world i was like actually looking for like neotropics and stuff to, like try to like, get myself to focus because it's like all right yeah. that's something your brain does not want to do how do you get it to do it um one of the tricks i always use is i have songs that i'll listen to that i've listened to a hundred mm -hmm. times and I will loop that song. Yeah, yeah, same here. It'll be a three-minute song or something, and I'll do, like, YouTube repeat, and it'll be like, you've listened to the song 200 times, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. But it helps me keep mm -hmm. focused on different things. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, just varying strategies to... It, I, I've, I've done all these, figured out all these, like, coping mechanisms over the course of my life uh, just to help me focus without ever realizing what I was yeah. trying to combat. Uh, I always thought there was just like this dozen different character weaknesses that I had that there is just uh, no way no way that I could ever fix and that I, I was just going to hit a wall eventually and and just finding out that that it's it's all one thing and I can I can learn like t actual strategies that have been developed by people who really understand you know how the brain works like exactly what you're saying or and like listening to podcasts while I'm doing chores just helps a lot because it engages that part of my brain that would normally just be bored to freaking tears doing the dishes. So I have what I call my external brains. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm talking to someone and there's a topic I need to remember, I put out one finger. Um, so it ends up being just, I'll be walking around with one finger out. I'm like, why do I have one finger out? Oh, because of mm -hmm. another tangential thing. Got it, got it, got it. Or I take That's smart. super extensive notes. Like I have a notepad mm -hmm. in like, like one of these yellow ones from Staples, and I'll fill up like two thirds of it in like, like, like in a month. Like I'll go through almost a hundred pages in a month. And I just keep notes at work. Like, gotta do this, gotta do that. And I have a system with like checks and dashes that I use to keep the track of the order of those things. Mm -hmm. um, I also have priority lists. Um, but yeah, there are lots of techniques out there that you have to kind of learn <clears throat> to cope with. And a lot of times, I thought I would. I keep sometimes forgetting, going, "Oh yeah, this is just a thing for me." I'm like, no, it's not. It's a thing for a lot of people, and they use them. People talk about like the well, fidget spinners and stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't like the fidget spinner, but I do have fidgets. Like I said, right now I'm throwing a mm -hmm. baton around constantly. 
but yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it feels like a lot of parallels to, like, you know, oh, finding out that you've had long-term major depression or long-term anxiety or, like, oh, hey, you know, I'm on the autism spectrum or yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I, was, I was also diagnosed with uh, general anxiety and dysphoria, which is a type of long-term depression, comorbid with the ADHD. Essentially, the ADHD was making me anxious and depressed all the time. That, that so, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know like the medication is helping with those things just just in general too and and just you know figuring out tailored coping strategies like putting everything into my calendar and everything into my notes and phone and stuff is, is helping a lot um one thing yeah, I, I think i was just overconfident before <laughs> yep. one thing i found was um one of the reasons i got into production management and a lot of those mm -hmm. organizational techniques was because i was still lacking them that when I started developing them and going, oh yeah, you just organize it like this, and then you remind yourself to do this, and you set this organizational thing, and you can set like a milestone here, and you have an auto update from your assembla and your whatever. People are like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, this is what I have to do to get through the day. Right. And they're like, really? I'm like, yes. My brain doesn't work <laughs> like yours, but so I'm just gonna apply my brain to your team, my coping mechanism. It's gonna open overcompensate for what you guys are doing. But you don't know you need it, and the team brain, which is really dumb because it's a team brain, needs it. So it's weird that we both found ourselves that's, that's in a, a really project cool manager perspective, <laughs> you know? Uh, Dilver Cook in the Twitch chat says that everything that you are saying makes sense to him. So congratulations. Hmm. That's good. good. Um, yeah, I think there's a ton of stigma about like talking about it and finding coping mechanisms and going on medication and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Um, it kind of, like, blew my brain whenever someone put it. It's like, you know, okay, I wear glasses. You know, could I operate without them? Well, yeah, I could, you know, look at things like this, and I could get someone to drive me everywhere, and I could get used to cracking my shin on literally everything. But why would I do that? Why would I not just put on glasses and, like, help fix the problem? And, like... Okay. Medicine isn't, like, you know, it's not a miracle cure, it doesn't work overnight, but, like, it's an option. It's a perfectly valid option. It just makes it easier to, mm -hmm. to figure out things that are going to work. And, uh, like, for example, I have, a, I have a really tough time talking to people. I have a really tough time doing podcasts and stuff like this, but, you know, talking to people on the phone is something that becomes really difficult to me. But, but, you know, the, the medication just makes it easier to, to do that or, to, you know, to, to motivate myself to do it. One thing that I'll, um, I'll say is the elephant in the room is overdiagnosis. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is overdiagnosis right and left, but I'd rather have 10 people be overdiagnosed than one person be underdiagnosed for this. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't manifest itself in the same way. If you look at the literature, there's lots of different things. Right. Um, that's why I mentioned ADHD combined type. Um, yeah, that is also what I am. Yeah. And it's, and it's varying degrees. It's a spectrum. It's not like, it's not like everyone is severe and no one is, it's like either on or off. It's no, it's its own thing. Um, but overdiagnosis is not good, but mm -hmm. the lesser evil and, but over medication is again, do not self-diagnose and say, I have this thing. Right. You can act on that as your basis. Go, I think I have this thing. And then go see a professional yes, who is capable exactly. of diagnosing you. you. You need a professional to do this. You can't be like, yeah, yeah, I totally have this. Um, 
I'm going to self-medicate, and that's going to be a really yeah. terrible... You're going to have a bad time. I mean, it's, it can <laughs> yeah, be I... a bad time when a professional is the one, like, giving you your dosages. Self-dosage. Mm -hmm. No, no. Mm -hmm. No. Well, and, you know, the, the, the process of getting clinically diagnosed is difficult. I mean, it costs money. It required five hours of testing and, like, three different meetings with a psychologist. Mm. So, I mean, like, it's it's a process, and but, you know, it's it's necessary to have that hurdle so that you avoid, you know, people being, like, like you know, everyone who's like, oh, I have OCD, when they probably don't have OCD. You're just, you know, you like to clean. It's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a slight difference between that and mm -hmm. one and the other. All right. Um... Steve, I think that just about wraps up where we want to be tonight. Um, yeah, so are we? Uh, thanks for coming on. That was that was a blast. It was good to talk to you about that last subject too. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I really appreciate coming on, and yeah. I'm happy to come back anytime you guys need a need need somebody to fill in, or you know. <laughs> we can be serious. We don't just talk about dick torture. I mean, we do, but uh, yeah, but not only. <laughs> we can be legit. Mike, and you know, if you think about it, historically, a lot of torture tools are are like very much about the phallus. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So I guess our our next book is going to be a collaborative effort between all four of us. It's called <laughs> Torture in the 16th Century: uh, Rules no. for Torturing and Pathfinder. No. Oh. I I phallic torture and global power dynamics. I'm okay, telling yeah, I can you. see that. Could we do it for 5e because um, my warlock specifically has torturers implements yeah, and I want to get the most out of them. I do have rules for torture, but not for dick torture. That's it. We, That's we, right. We, I feel like that, we, we, have, we have torture rules too. I think that we can kind of put our heads together and uh, come up with something. <laughs> and with that wonderful note, guys, thanks for coming to join us. Um, see you in the future. Maybe, maybe we will, uh, be better, but probably not. <laughs>